Hello and welcome to Accent of Women, a show by and about women from diverse cultures and languages right across the world. I'm Giselle Hanna. Today on Accent of Women, we continue our coverage of the San Francisco Public Library Conference about the future of libraries in a digital world. On today's show, and over the next couple of shows, we'll hear from one of the keynote speakers at that conference, Wanda Powell. She's Professor Emerita of History at Los Angeles Southwest College, and her talk is called From Critical Thinking to Critical Race Theory, Unearthing History. Wake up! <laughs> I'm woke! Whoa! Marjorie Taylor Green! I'm woke. What you have to understand is that the person who actually invented the term woke was named Huddy William Ledbetter. He was talking about a serious, serious injustice that in the 1930s, nine young black men riding a train as everybody was riding a train looking for jobs. The economy of the United States was horrible. Everybody was looking for a job. They were confronted on that railroad car by some white hoodlums who were also looking for a job. And what happened is they got in a fight. And the white boys got whooped. Now, of course, they're angry, and they stop in this small rural town and tell the police, OK, that the black boys started it. Of course, very quickly, the next small rural station has Many, many people who are outraged that these young nine black boys had attacked their youth. But the problem really came, not at that point, the juncture, the problem really came when there were two white women there who were, were kind of modern, they were a little loose. They had control of their bodies, and they enjoyed themselves. But they was poor. I should say poor, but they were poor. The important thing that you have to know is because the social pressure was so great, they could not be seen, caught in the presence of black men without being ostracized, totally, totally alienated. So they said, we got raped. And for that, those nine black boys had their lives destroyed. And it was Huddy William Ledbetter, whose stage name was Leadbelly. And if you're into blues and folk music, you will hear him. If you haven't heard, Write it down, because you need to hear it. Because he responded, because this is all about how we respond. He responded 
by telling his audience, be aware, use your third eye, pay attention, it's dangerous out there. If they would be so outraged to kill these children, well, they didn't kill them, but throw them in jail for a lifetime, it's pretty bad. They were ready to hang them pretty much the next day. It's a whole international story. I don't even have time to get all to it, but I'm going to let you. you now have the notes. Okay? You now have the notes. What you have to understand is he told everybody to stay woke. So Marjorie Taylor Greene, I'm here, I'm woke. And I want you to be woke. I come from a small town in Michigan where right next to it was a nice library in a place called Dearborn. I don't know if it's anybody actually did a comparison, but I think it's like Birmingham, Alabama. But I was not allowed. None of the black people in the smallest, used to be the smallest village in the United States, could go. It was a town created by Henry Ford for black workers. He wanted hmm, to take advantage, the economic advantage of using scabs. But either way, I couldn't go to the library. And my, our parents had to invest. In fact, we got a brand new world book encyclopedia. And I was happy, OK? Because I could sit in my house, in my room, almost like COVID, and actually read, and I read about everything in the world. I, I loved that encyclopedia. In fact, I still have them. And the reason I have them is because, even though I love Google, um, is that it is important to have the knowledge. And I'm very disturbed that there is a small town in Michigan that will vote in three weeks to defund the entire library system if they do not take away about five books. They will defund the entire library. They've already harassed the director into resigning. So when we come here today, especially for the young librarians, we're not coming here to talk always about the old. We're here to talk about what is facing you today, the kinds of battles that you will have to strike. And yes, I love Kafka. I love all the writers. I even like Shakespeare, OK? In fact, when I saw students reading Twilight, I was like, why are they reading? The books are this thick. Why are they reading? Okay, and I opened one of those books and I started reading and I, I understood. It's unrequited love in vampire style. <laughs> okay, and I became a twilighter, okay? And that's what you've got to do. You've got to pay attention to the young people. I know you think you're young. Yeah, 25, <laughs> give me a break. Anyway, but you have to, you're the elders for 
the people under you, just as we are your elders. And you have to remember that, and it's hard sometimes to remember what it was like to be 15, what it was like to be 12 or 9. But you got to go back and you've got to listen. As Frida talked about, you've got to listen. You've got to be attentive, okay? And I don't know how the folks in Jamestown, Michigan, are going to vote, but I pray for their children because libraries are very much needed. Now, the future of libraries. The question from critical thinking to CRT. Did I say a bad word? Okay, this is something that oftentimes so many people I was challenged because when they it was suggested that I do CRT, I was like, nah, I don't know these people. I'm going to discuss something so controversial where such misinformation, such emotions are there. And I'm not a lawyer. I'm, not, I'm a lay person like you. And I was like, okay, yes, but I've been reading. I've been paying attention and watching tapes. I'm going to lectures because I want to understand CRT. And the reason I want to understand it it's because it developed from critical thinking. That's what most people don't understand, okay? Hmm. Where do we start? When I look out into this audience, I'm looking beyond your dress, your attire, your title. Some impressive titles here. I have to actually see those of you who are brilliant researchers, organized, oh, fantastic. I have to see those who are parents, who are educators to their core. I have to look compassionately at those who are some of the best mentors in the world. I've never gone to a library and had a bad experience. Isn't that wonderful? I was like, oh, this is really happy. But you are the guardians of truth. Oh, it works when I hold it. And yet there is fear and there's trepidation to bravery and even for some post-traumatic stress syndrome. See, I've been paying attention to some of the brave people who dared actually have LBGQ plus there. I don't know what they'll do when they meet maybe Aravisto's books from Britain that won what is the British equivalent of a National Book Award, because she covers it all. That plus sign goes, whoa, whoa, all there, no one but what I want to let you know that I'm looking at you because I need to find those who are willing to be open-minded, who are willing 
to change, who are willing to adapt in the 21st century. I'm not worried about those who are hardcore, who on a good day don't want to talk or discuss anything that is controversial. In fact, we have to pay attention, and I'll come back to this, on this idea of dialogue. And William Isaacs talks about dialogue. And one of the things that he talks about is that the best definition in English is that it is the meaning of relationships. So what we're talking about in understanding knowledge and our responsibility to the present and the future generations is to be committed to relationships. Why did we get, well, maybe you didn't, but I got excited when I was going face to face and I was going to talk to you. I got excited. Oh, I love people. I really do. And it's important for you to understand that in education, in knowledge, that connection is not in Zoom. Although I would have liked to go to that internet conference in Monterey. That would have been nice. But the actual learning process has been known for thousands and thousands of years when students sat at the knees of Socrates. The open-ended questions, the dialogue discussions. This was done in India. And the elders sat around in a circle and began to talk. In Africa, when the elders came and opened the conversation to everybody in the community, not only to solve problems, but to plan and strategize for the future. That is what is missing as we are more connected but alienated from each other. We have become the other. But in Africa and many other cultures, I is we and we are I. You have physicians tell you that for every cell, in that cell is everything that is human. And in every human, there are multiple cells. So think about it. We're connected. Even when we go back to history, and it goes, I love history. I'm going to mess with Chris. Come on, Chris. People talk today about the issue and the question of slavery. Just pretend for a minute Chris is a slaveholder. <laughs> and I am Chris's slave. Okay? Together, this is, the, this is the system of slavery. Yeah, if he's sick, he wants me. But anyway, but this is the system of slavery. Why, when people talk in terms of history, they only talk about me? What happened to him? If slavery's still bothering me, it's got to be bothering him. Not in the same way, but there is a connection. Take away me, who is Chris? Without me, who is he? How does he define himself? What identity does he have? None. 
None. And vice versa. If Chris goes away, if Chris goes away, who am I? How do I define myself? So just as Roman slaves were connected to their society, and they had 10,000 every year to renew the stability, Chris and I are connected in America. We're connected still. And people don't want to understand that because it takes critical thinking to understand that this relationship has not been broken. It is still here. And that is why we still have racial problems. And it is not one-sided. Thank you, Chris. We're going to discuss someone called Derek Bell. And excuse me if I jump around, because I get excited about history. And I get excited about learning. OK? Uh, let me see one more. Yeah, here we go. It started to go. At first, I was going to wait to the end. Yeah. And uh, keep time on me, Chris, because I will talk forever. <laughs> and so, it's just a history, OK? Martin R. Delaney, anybody ever heard of him? Uh, before there was Malcolm X, Martin R. Delaney was one of the first nationalists. He wanted Congress of the United States, if we are after the Civil War, and he fought in it, but if we are unwanted, then give us a state in the Western territories. We don't have to live around you. We will be happy. Maybe Arizona wouldn't have actually be there. We would have it. Anyway, that's what he wanted to do. And of course, that was not allowed because in the relationship, I'm very important. And they wouldn't allow it. In fact, the Civil War really began because what? They wanted to end slavery in the Western territories. That's why the Civil War began, because those huh, one-fourth slave owners wanted to carry it there, and the three-fourths of people who didn't own slaves understood that if slaves go there, then I don't have the same rights, and I'd like to be free. So. Don't allow it in the Western territories. And that's when the battle really began. I simplified it, but you can take a class. OK? But the important thing is also a person by the name of Franz Fanon. He was an Algerian freedom fighter and a psychologist. And he preceded an understanding. He is one of the first people that founded and he had a problem with what are two irres what is it? What is it? Irre irreconcilable. Okay? Irreconcilable differences. He assessed, he was looking at 
African Americans, he was looking at African, he was looking at Frenchmen, he was looking in terms of the Frenchmen in Algeria, what the colonists wanted, what are they doing? And he came up with the idea that this system is immovable. It's, it's a part of the structure. But immovable, he talks about, I will create myself. I will resist. But the problem is, if it's immovable, how are you creating yourself? Seems like, mm, it's not working. And that comes to a conclusion later by Derrick Bell, who worked for decades after Charles Houston, Thurgood Marshall. Derrick Bell was working. And he was fighting this battle. And then he came to understand that many of the lawyers who were working for the parents in the South, the parents wanted their children to have an education. They didn't need integration. They weren't too fond of busing. They just want their children to be educated. And the lawyers begin to fight for integration. The lawyers begin to fight for busing. And the parents say, if my child isn't getting educated in the valley, I don't, they don't need to go there. Let me have good schools here. Let me have my children by me and not on the bus for two or three hours. And there became a conflict. And Derek Bell, as a legal scholar, began to observe this and began to say, hmm, this isn't working. We've got a problem, and it's a problem that we're beginning to create. And since we've been working for decades that this racism, which is really a child of slavery, has been with us for hundreds and hundreds of years. It's not going nowhere. So he wrote a book called The Faces in the Bottom of the Well. I love it. Faces in the bottom of the well. How can you see your face in the well? Hello. Has to be a really bright day. Okay. But one of the things that you have to understand is Derek Bell. Did you read Space Traders? Okay, one of the well, okay. If you're into science fiction, you like Dunes. Nah, I hope you do. Okay. My son is forcing me to play. Okay. And I hope I learn it soon because I'm tired of getting whooped. Anyway, um, Space Traders, he comes up with the idea that racism is permanent and important part of American society. It's not going anywhere. And therefore, we as people who desire freedom, white, black, whatever, we have to have new strategies. We have to have new goals. Fighting every day or every year for a new holiday. We just got Juneteenth. Yeah, I love Juneteenth. I love the recognition of Tulsa, Oklahoma. I need to know how 
very wealthy black people were attacked. But that's not ending racism. And he's tired at this point of seeing the actual problem ignored and the comfort people get just comfortable with your day will come. Just wait. Just wait a little longer. You just have to fight hard enough. Just keep pulling yourself up by the bootstraps. And we heard that somewhere 100 years ago. That was Wanda Powell, Professor Emerita of History at Los Angeles Southwest College. Her talk is called From Critical Thinking to Critical Race Theory, Unearthing History. Tune in to Accent of Women over the coming weeks to hear the conclusion of that talk. And that's all we've got time for on today's Accent of Women. Accent of Women is produced in the Melbourne studios of Community Radio 3CR with the financial assistance of the Community Broadcasting Foundation. The show is distributed nationally via the Community Radio Network with special thanks to the Community Broadcasting Association of Australia. Music for Accent of Women was written and produced by George Kunjeri. If you want to hear this show again or any of our previous programs, you can download the podcast from 3CR's website. That's 3cr.org.au. Go to the Accent of Women page and follow the links to this week's show. If you want to get in touch with the producers of the show, you can write to us at accentofwomen at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter or like our page on Facebook. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Giselle Hanna and I look forward to your company again next week.